Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined not by David Hartrick, but by Kevin Nagel. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Um, it's been an eventful first six weeks, I think it's fair to say, um, since you've taken over formally at Huddersfield Town. How have those first six weeks been for you? I think that really the first six weeks have really been fantastic. I mean, we've had some, some ups and we've had a little bit of downs, just like we did you know, this last weekend. But all in all, I would say this much. I think the the, the supporters, the fans been fantastic. Uh, you know, I continue to be impressed with wh- who I meet in the organization as we learn more about it. And then also just in general, as you start to plan for next year, we're really going to be excited, even though we have a whole year of football that's on the horizon right now. I imagine that the, the timing of the takeover being as it was, you've not had too much time to think about sort of the, the, the further future. Has it been more sort of getting this, this transfer window right, making sure the team is ready for, for the current season that's just started? Yes, I mean, I really think I would say this much. You know, there's a great sensitivity when you're going through this process of purchasing, of not really being overly involved in the organization. So we played great sensitivity to that. Um, with that, I mean, uh, there, there's some results that happen. And that is you, you can't do the planning and the things that you normally would do um, because there's an, there's an exiting by one ownership and then we're coming in. And so really handing off the baton is really very difficult. So as a result, yes, we really start thinking a lot more about next year. There's a lot of planning on that. And there's some things that we're trying to do right now. Um, it's just the time is of the essence, and it's just very short. Did the takeover sort of come a little bit later than you might ideally have hoped? I don't know that it came later. Um, uh, we were told that it was almost as fast as they've ever had right. because it was really straightforward. There really weren't uh, many questions that they had for us. We submitted all the documentation right on time, uh, really ahead of schedule, and they just, really what happened was, said, you're in a queue, and we're going to move through a process, and when your number comes, you know, we're going to do that evaluation. So that happened, once that happened, you know, on on both, you know, um, agencies, uh, it went through quickly. Obviously, the first thing, we'll jump right into it, the first thing the fans are are asking about from the moment you've arrived through to, to now is transfers and Neil's been quite transparent with us and Mark Cartwright's been quite transparent with us that you're after a centre forward signing, potentially midfielder as well, we've not had those signings yet. What, what's the, the situation with that? Now, the situation is I think they haven't found the right one yet. Um, whether it's been um, the player maybe doesn't feel comfortable or the agent doesn't feel comfortable or we don't feel comfortable. And I would say this much, you know, as I've said in the very beginning, I really, I really let the coaches coach, you know, Neil and his team, and really let Mark and his team as you know, the sporting director really do what they need to do. It's my job to really be very supportive of them. And so um, we've done that, I think, so far. And, I, and I'm waiting for those right players. We had a chance to see you know, the strengths and maybe the, the places we need to work on. And I'm excited. I feel that we're going to sign. We still have, what, three-plus weeks, I think, left uh, before that closes. And so I think there's going to be still an opportunity to get some really quality players before it's all said and done. We've seen, obviously, on social media, some fans expressing that frustration towards you. Can you, you understand where, where they're coming from with that? Well, I think I'm, I have a great sensitivity. Look, I'm a, I've been in this business before. I just haven't been in the business in, in the UK. Um, I think there, there's somebody who's felt that, you know, they're more passionate fans in the UK than, than the US, and I just take exception with that because I think it just depends. Um, but the reality, I have a great sensitivity of what the fans have to say 
I would say this much. I don't think that we are going to probably just operate based on what the fans say, but actually it's a very sophisticated audience, and so they understand what our needs are. So in many ways, really agree with them. But really, it, it, there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to hit the you know um, press button. Uh, that's not the nature of me. I'll just tell everybody out there right now uh, that that's the case. It's really I try to keep my poise under pressure. We'll, I, I've got to let, as I, as I said, we'll let Neil do his job and Mark do his job. And I think in the end, you know, we're going to have a we're going to have a winning combination. We tried to sort of talk on this podcast, and we asked you a bit at the press conference you did about some of the financial restraints that are on the club, particularly in this first year since you you've taken over. But you tweeted uh, over the weekend that there's no sort of it's not that you're not willing to put your hand in your pocket, but there are maybe limitations on you this season. Would that be fair? To say? Well, the limitations are, you know, just in you know high-level terms, is you know, when when this process goes through, there's a budget that's submitted that you submit to the EFL, and they approve it, and then and then what happens is there's I think a change that you can make at one at some particular point, but you have to live within that budget because there are penalties and other other types of fines that become imminent um, if you don't adhere to that. And I think some I think some fans are probably aware of that because we read about that publicly at times where there has been ownership that have violated that. And we're not going to violate that. Uh, we're going to live within the means. We still have, actually, we still have capacity within our budget to go out and pursue additional players. So right now, that's not it. Now, again, whether those players or whether the agents or whomever want to come, come for us and whether Neil and the team, they feel that it's a desirable player, that has to be really a win-win. And I don't know that we've really found that as yet, but we will. I mean, I, again, three and a half weeks, I think, before, you know, uh, market closes, at least for, for this period of time. And I feel there's some, there's some out there that are going to make us uh, more complete as a team. So there's money there for the right sign-in? There is. There's no question about that. I think that, you know, uh, you referenced uh, social media. You know, there's, uh, you know, people that just want the panic button to go out and sign five, six, seven um, uh, players. We're not going to do that. I, and that's not me. I'm not going to be the one to call up and 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 um, dial up for players. I think there was some blogger that did say did tell me that I should spend less time on Twitter and more time uh, calling up players. And I would just say, you know, look, understand that's done by other uh, professionals. I'm not qualified to really do that, but I'll be very supportive of them. It's a fine line, isn't it? That your social media presence is probably a bit more uh, active than than we're used to. Um, is that just something you, you want to be, that visible face of the club? Yeah, and you know, it's funny, what is that old saying, be careful what you wish for? When you win, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great, but when you don't win, you know, you have to accept the criticism, and I'm totally prepared for that. Um, you know, I, just, I, I feel that there's a great way of communicating with the people, and I think, I think our, our fans and our supporters are very sophisticated and really understand. The vast majority, as I said, almost all of them, really been fantastic and it doesn't it doesn't bother me if there's a criticism or rate I, I want to hear in fact um, some of the challenges because as we've taken over you know um, and, and now in a custodial capacity we need to deliver on some things and I need to hear what those things are take it will take a little bit of time whether it's changing some of the things at the stadium making you know making it a little bit easier to hear because we understand that that that's an issue maybe some food and and and, and other spirits those types. we're going to work we're going to work on those things maybe the bathrooms you know we have to but but it's not just a straightforward process and so again that's going to take time but we're going to get to them and a lot of that you can hear on on social media i think one of the things people have been vocal about as well is the the 
quite a few player sales, um, likes of Dwayne Holmes, Etienne Kamara have gone out. Was that sort of a requirement to free up that budget for the transfer, or would that money have been available? No, but I think I, I think if you're not going to use those players, you know, and really it, again it boils down to that. If if the if the coach and the managers say these are players that we're not really going to use, or they're going to be people that they need they they need some experience elsewhere, then we need to move on them, and we need to open up that space so that maybe we can find maybe more preferred players at this particular time for them. So, I mean, it's really that. It wasn't that, again, it wasn't the fact that we have to sell that in order to, to uh, survive on it. Absolutely not. In fact, I would, I would tell you this much, uh, Stephen, um, and I don't have any problem. I think I've even referenced this before. We're deficit spending. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're spend- There's more output going on expense than there is revenue coming in. I have no problem doing that. I realize that's really part of business. I've, I've run businesses, you know, the vast majority of my, my working life, and so I'm very comfortable with that, understanding what the circumstances Because we want, we, want we want the best team that we can possibly put together, and I think that the only way you do that is you have to do a little bit of investing, and sometimes you invest more than what you're taking in at the time. And so we're going to do that. We'll continue to do that. But people need to understand um, that takes, it takes time. And obviously you talk about that business plan that you need to stick to. Is that that will... If you stick with that, presumably you're not going to run afoul of any financial fair play. I know that's something that's been talked about. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll make sure that you know we're, we're very disciplined, and you know you'll hear. I think uh, if it hasn't come publicly yet, that you know we are filing this week with the EFL to expand our academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as I said, you know at the press conference uh, last month, we're going to invest in that, and we are going to invest in it. Um, I feel that's you know another dimension to make the club much stronger. And it won't require so much the here and now. The here and now is let's go out and let's buy players, or let's let's see if we we can f- access you know players elsewhere. Having your own complement, you know, is it brings you a lot of firepower because even if you don't use those players and you wish to sell them to someone else, whether it's the you know a Premier League or you know a, a competitive league, uh, we can do that. Right now, that's not really much of an option. You have sold a couple like Nicholas Blokopic, Etienne Kamara, this summer who've come through that B team system that was instigated a few years ago. What can we expect from the new academy? Is it going to be all age? Um, all age well, I think or? eventually it'll be all age. You'll see, I think, the phase that we're coming in is you know, we're expanding you know, um, ages so that we can include more and we can, we can be a little bit, I would say, midterm uh, looking. We'll see. We'll, we'll see a, a younger audience. We'll get a, a visual, and I'll give an example. Is um, in, in Sacramento, you know, my club in the United States. We're signing a 13-year-old. It's going to be the youngest player in our league, and I and we really probably have a feeling that player is not that far away from playing. You don't discover those very often. Yeah. But but we we saw that through our academy, and I believe that is entirely possible here because I think the breadth and the depth of you know, football played in, in um, the United Kingdom is a lot greater than it is in the United States. And so the quality player is more technical and more proficient, faster. I know that the B team system is not universally popular, particularly sort of locally. Is the opportunity for local people, for, you know, kids from Huddersfield to be able to come into um, into the club through that academy was that a consideration as well when you when you looked at this? Well, I think I, I really I, I looked at the B team and I saw you know uh, really what its value you know was uh, what it is today, and then um, when you started to see where do you put your resources, it just became uh, more evident to me 
we've got a lot of great players that are playing in other parts of the country right now, not that far away. They're playing up in Manchester, or they're playing the, the Manchester system. And those players could be ours. Yeah. You know, we need to demonstrate to them that we've got quality training and teaching, there's an opportunity, and I believe we do. I mean, we're sitting in, I think, just fantastic, you know, training center. I was in Plymouth this weekend, as you know, and mm -hmm. they would give anything to have a, a, a training system like this, as I talked to the, to, talked to the owner. Um, we, we should really take advantage of it, and so we are. And you mentioned the match day experience as well. It's the first home game um, on Tuesday night, first home league game on, on the weekend. Is it too soon for the fans to see a difference at the stadium now? Is I think they're not going to see a whole lot. They're going to see, they, 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 they might see a couple of things. And we've, we've tried to implement, I, I, in fact, I want to get the final read on Jake just a, in a little while on, on where we are. But, you know, really what we want to do is increase... Uh, the ability for people to, to A, um, get access to um, some beer that, that came through loud and clear. Again, that was, a, that was a social media, you know, really a recurrent issue over and over again. And then also uh, see what we can do in time over food access and then, and then, and then some other things that I think uh, that, that they will see. I think that really we're going to be focusing really on customer care, customer service. That's really sort of, I, I, I will have told Jake, is that we need to we need that needs to be the emphasis over the next you know twelve months as we sort of transition. That's that's kind of what I know. I know that people like good customer care. That doesn't mean that they didn't have customer care here, but I think we can you know create a best practices model, and so we're going to be moving on that this next twelve months. You mentioned you were there at Plymouth at the weekend. What was it like? I know obviously you've been at Sacramento Republic and you came to a game last season, but it must be different sitting there knowing that this is your club and it's all under your hand. What, what was that experience like on, on Saturday? I, I mean, it's, uh, first of all, I think they're very professional. You know, I would say this much. Uh, we were treated very well at Plymouth, you know, just coming into our league. I think that um, they, they wanted to put their best foot forward, and they did. They did a nice job, and, you know, um, the owner is a, a, a real gentleman. You know, he's a, he's a Brit who became an American citizen, so we had quite a good chat, you know, uh, on that subject. Uh, and everyone treated us well. Nobody threw anything. Of course, there was no reason for them to throw anything at us. <laughs> but I will say this much, um, and I we did tweet this out. Our fan base uh, that were there, the, the supporters, much louder than theirs. I mean, maybe there's we. I think we they might have schooled us on the pitch that day, but we uh, our fans really schooled them because you know you're talking about a crowd. I think it was close to seventeen thousand there, and I mean our our I think we had about sixteen hundred or seventeen hundred. You know, uh, supporters there, and they were very present. I was really, I was really happy, really proud of that. I was just disappointed what we did on the pitch. Yeah, unfortunate to get off to a to a losing start. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I um, I, I felt you know that, and, and I and I saw that Neil even you know iterated this that I felt really for 80 minutes of that match we really played well, and I mean there was really a part of the the, the second part of the first half we just totally dominated them. And I really felt that we were going to, you know, we pick up just one, you know, goal could have been two, um, and go into the half ahead, and then we came out, and I thought we were really pretty strong for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, and then we just sort of gave away, and it was really, really that that three four minute implosion that really cost it, you know, and those are things that I think Neil and his, you know, team uh, they can fix, 
Uh, and that means whether it's you know personnel changes, whether we go out and you know acquire uh, someone, or whether there's there's somebody in the club that he hasn't really tried out yet. On you know as you because as as you probably know, and I learned this over my career you know in sports that there are people who are fantastic in practice, and then they get on the they get on the pitch and it just doesn't convert. And then sometimes there's some that just are not that great in practice, and you put them in the real time. On, 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 on game day and they just change they become a change uh, player so I mean, he's got to, he's got to figure that out I don't know that mm-hmm. I yield that to to him and his team I think there was some pessimism even before that game that has now sort of deepened a little bit but what do you see as sort of the ambitions for the club this season and, and I presume there's no panic stations at this point there's not any panic um, you can't. You, you've got one match. Uh, first of all, I think that there was concern, obviously, about you know staying away from relegation. Yeah. And I mean, there there there's a small group of people that you know bring that up on social media. Uh, I'm not thinking about that. We want to stabilize really and move ahead. We want to. My goal is it'd be fantastic to to finish at the top of the table. But if we can finish in the top one third of the table, I'm I'm happy. That means we really did a, did our job. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of question about uh, our personnel last year versus this year and, and before. I, again, have to leave that to the, to the manager and the coach. They know better. And even though I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a lot of different sports, I just realize and understand the expert. It's a lot more complex than just outwardly saying that. But I feel that, you know, um, we'll see if we can strengthen the club, strengthen the players, um, and at the same time really drive up uh, to see where we can finish in the table, but you can't judge it by one match. Do we have some weak spots? Yes, we do. We have to look in the mirror and say that that's the, that's a fact. I think the players themselves would 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 grade themselves because we know how hard players are on themselves. And and the same thing. You you heard Neil, you know, at his presser, and we we owned up to some things. You've been at the club as I say six weeks now. Are there any sort of particular? Surprises, pleasant or unpleasant, that you've discovered since you've you've come through the door officially. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I mean, I just say that, you know, and I don't want to say I'm this, you know, this American, you know, guy that came over and knows all. We don't. I mean, I have great respect and reverence as I've met just some ter- absolutely terrific people outside the club and really inside the club. Um, but are we going to make some changes? Uh, we're going to make some changes. Yes. Um, I think that there's probably a real opportunity with the commercialization, and that will help our club. That will help us, you know, um, just from an organic standpoint, you know, just externally how, how people, you know, look at the club, whether it's in Huddersfield or whether it's outside, because this is a very high-profile sport, as you know, and we can be a higher-profile team, and we'll try to elevate that. Um, we try to do that a little bit, as you may have seen, with, you know, some, you know, it's a small little reality series that... Um, seems to have gone over reasonably well so far. Um, people are really, you know, inquiring about Huddersfield. Now we just have to make sure that we put our money where our mouth is on the pitch and perform, and they can they can see that this is, you know, a very unique and very cultured place with a rich history, you know, in football. Yeah, that, that documentary series is um, interesting to, to go behind the scenes. How, how did that come about, and what what sort of What's the, the target audience for them for that? Uh, you know, it's the, the target audience is anybody who wants to watch. But hopefully, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, really the Huddersfield. That's really that's really first and foremost. And how it started, you know, I, I, I threw this out. There, there were a few people that asked that on social media. But why do you have the you know why do you, why do you have cameras rolling, you know, during this time? And 
what happened was we we have a art and it's sort of funny when you compare but you know traditions we've got a 10-year um tradition coming up with sac republic where we're celebrating our 10 years of being in existence mm -hmm. and um during that time we were we were doing some recording the event happens later on this month but it was during that time we we're doing some recording that the opportunity you know to to um access you know potentially the purchase of Huddersfield came up and so I just said hey keep the cameras rolling and we'll just pivot and we'll just start talking about what went on and so what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of really real-time information a lot of it's cut because we're yeah. trying to make sure it's under 30 minutes 20 20 to 30 minutes is really great most all most all the you know watches I wish it was longer um, and we could they'd be they'd be bored after a while but um, but I, I'm I'm excited by it. I think they'll I think they'll like the ending, if there is an ending, because the ending really is the beginning, you know, yeah. of, of ownership. Um, but I but but we we've had a we've had a lot of fun doing it. It's a little bit um, agitating at times to have a camera, you know, yeah, always so. in your face, and sometimes you forget about it, and you might say a word that you know, not everybody children want to hear, but we we'll, we we can eliminate that. Um, you. Hinted at the, your initial press conference about your own background, and you know you, you don't come from wealthy stock. I think it's fair to say. Would you like to go into a bit, a bit more on that with us? You said you'd maybe on another occasion like to talk about that. No, I mean it's. Uh, thank you for asking that question. Um, it's it's one of those things that you know when you're a small kid, two things. One is um, what you don't know. You don't know that you know you're poor. You just don't. Um, but then, as you get a little bit older and you realize maybe you are poor, you have a little embarrassment for that with that and for a lot of my life, you know Stephen, I really felt that way. I was kind of embarrassed by it and then I realized you know that at a certain point as you were as you as there was success that was being attained, that maybe you could be a role model for others because i i I go out into sometimes disadvantaged communities, and I see you know that I, I wonder sometimes about the chances of these of, of these children. And I really think about who will give them hope. And a lot of times what you see is, you know, frankly, in at least in the United States, is you'll see a mother, you know, with her children trying to fight for, you know, making sure they have a better life. That's what my mother did for me. My mother was really a simple lady and so she never went to college, barely graduated from what we call high school, um, and really took care of my two sisters. And for much of my growing up, I had two cousins and they were a little bit older, and then I had an uncle, um, and we all lived under this this uh, really small house, and I shared a bedroom, I think I've talked a little bit about this before, a bedroom with my mother and my, my sister, they slept in one bed, and I had, in a twin bed, I had to sleep with my, my sister, who's a year older than me, and I used to look at the bottoms of her feet and just tell her how you know ugly they were. <laughs> but we just didn't know, we didn't yeah. know, you know, that we always had food on the table, the clothes weren't great, but the clothes were there. Um, my mother just made sure that I went to school and that um, I got the best education that I could and that she, she was prepared to, you know, or could uh, offer us. And, you know, I'll say this much. I'm a little bit spiritual at times, and I was very blessed by what happened. You know, I, I, I went on and, you know, not without a lot of failure, but um, succeeded and had a lot, of, a lot of things along the way that really affected me and out of that, I, I learned that I had some mentors, some people that really helped me and influenced me in a positive way, so that later on maybe I could be a, I could be a role model for someone else. It's not perfect here, but the reality of it is, is that you know we try to do that as much as we can, 
try to be mindful and respectful of people. I really, I certainly understand people of you know different social classes today because of where I came from, and I'm very sensitive to that, um, more so than people probably even know. And I think sport is in sort of a unique place to do that, isn't it? Because it's already entrenched in people's lives. People of all social classes, as you say, it, it has this sort of reach that is kind of unparalleled in a lot of other businesses. No, it is. And I think especially today, I mean, I, I, was, I had a situation, you know, and, I, and I've talked about this, um, that my first, you know, uh, exposure to organized sports, uh, I was a young kid, about eight years old, and I, we, it was a baseball, American baseball, and I tried out for an American baseball team. And I fortunately, I was, I, I made it. I was like the last player that was picked on the team, but it cost, uh, in order to be on the team, you had to pay for it. And so... I just didn't know how I was going to do that. Um, making the team was another thing. Paying for it was another. We had uni- full uniforms, and we had a, a baseball cap. But as, as people know what they are, I know a lot of people don't wear them here in the in the UK. And and we wear cleats, much like you know the players do. And so I didn't have a pair of cleats. Um, and so then I went to go. I should say the coach kept asking me for my money for the season. And so the only thing I could think of is because I. I worked, uh, and I, I gave most of my money to my mother, um, but what I did do is I, I, um, I would always keep a couple American dollars for myself. And so I knew that if the coach let me play every week, that if I gave him $2.50 American every week when we had a match, but by the end of the season, I'd be able to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd make good on my dues, membership dues. And so I he finally he told me he was going to, he, he, he was going to have to make a decision whether he was going to keep me or not. So I made the proposal. I'll give him $2.50 American every week if he, if he allowed me to. And he was looking down, I remember, uh, at the list of players that had tried out and those that made it and those that didn't. And I could see the line was drawn. My name was the very last, and then there were players after that. And I could see he was kind of looking down, and he looked up at me, looked straight down, and he said, are you going to pay me every week? And I said, I will. He said, okay, you're on the team. That was a huge break. But what he said is he said, I'm going to keep your hat because the, the team would give you your hat. And he said, I'm going to give you, take, keep your membership card so that that was sort of the, you know, the, the uh, requirement that, that he had. So what I did is every I, I didn't really start the games. I got there was a requirement when you're a young kid. But over time, over time, <clears throat> I broke the starting lineup. And then eventually um, I became what we refer to in American baseball, the leadoff hitter. That's the first hitter that goes up. That's usually one of the better hitters in the team. And then by the end of the season, I was the best hitter on the best hitter on the team. That was that was a that was a game changer. That was a game changer because I think about had the coach said, you 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 know you can't make it. I'm not sure I would have where I would have gone with that. But what I did do is. He, he held to his, his uh, requirement. He kept a, his, my baseball hat. It was brand new. And so what I did is I went to a garage sale, a garage sale, I think, as you guys say, and I, and I was looking for an old beat-up hat. And I found this gentleman, and he sold, eventually sold me his hat for 25 American cents. I, I was yelled at by some people who were at the, at the they thought I was making fun of him. But it was crumpled up, but it was the same color that my, my club was. And so I went home, and I washed that hat. And the team, name of the team was the Lifeguards. You love that name. Um, and, and so uh, there was an L on the front of it. And my mother uh, went and cut some felt out because it was a white L. And she cut it. And then we, you know, uh, what we did is we, we uh, put adhesive and we put it to the hat so that my hat, even though it wasn't exactly the same color, it was crumpled up. 
that had an L on it, but when I was in, playing out in the field, people couldn't tell that closely. And then I had, I had sneakers, you know, tennis shoes instead of spikes that were black, and I took, I, and, and they were white, so what I did is I took shoe polish and shoe polished my shoes so they were black, but they were, were no spikes, but I just had to hit, that's the way I hit. And so, or, you know, when I batted the ball, yeah, much like I think you did, cricket. But those are just some of the, you know, if you're going to fight odds mm-hmm. and, you, you know, you're, you're in a, a certain uh, class, sometimes you don't have a choice. But there were a few people, as I said, along the way that helped me. Uh, and I, I've never forgotten them. I can tell you almost every way along the way. There were a lot of, so there were some things that were defeat because that's the way we learn. You know, we, we get up off the ground and we, we then fight that next, you know, that next play. Um, and that's what we did. So that's just sort of, sort of one story, Stephen, you know, about um, growing up, you know, with not a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and the other part I would just say is, you know, I didn't have a father, you know, for most of my life. And so um, I'm, I'm very envious and I'm very supportive when I see families together. And then I'm also very sensitive when I see those that are not because I was there. And so you try to help them just a little bit. And there's a way that you can make a difference. And we try to make a difference. We can't in every single case. But you just want to let people know there's always hope and there's always opportunity. Hopefully the team can be sort of a bit of a beacon because I think people, you know, you see that frustration. We talk about the frustration on social media, but I think particularly times are tough at the moment and um, cost of living crisis and so on. People do put their hopes and dreams in clubs like Huddersfield Town, like Sacramento Republic. And I suppose you've got to be sensitive as, to that as, a, as an owner. No, and you're, you're absolutely right, and we will. I mean, I th- the one thing I will say is I was really impressed with what Dean and, you know, I think DTS, some of, the, some of, the, some of those people who are involved in the foundation and, and their engagement in some of the community activities, and we will even more so. I mean, we've, I've even done some one-offs, and, you know, um, I try not to make a big spectacle out of it because, you know, then everybody will come in and, and, um, and, and want. But we try to be as supportive as possible. We have a lot of... You know, I, I think the causes are fantastic. I think I saw that there was a, there was a, uh, we, we just supported a, a um, somebody's running a marathon. And there was, a, there was another mental health for, you know, um, for men that was really, really important. Because I think some of these are not, are, are not areas that are really mainstreamed, you know. And, and so raising money for it on a limited basis becomes more critical. So, um, and I've liked that, and I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. That's really many, my, my give back, you know, to the Huddersfield community, and, you know, at large. But we're going to do some other large things that, yeah, we just, we just haven't had a chance to figure that out because we're doing, I think, a lot of really wonderful things right now. But those are things that are really important to my heart as well. Uh, one of the things we, we touched on uh, at your press conference, and I don't know if there's much of an update on this, but... Obviously, the Women's World Cup is going on at the moment. Um, <laughs> the USA just been <laughs> eliminated. But Yikes. Um, t- how, what's the situation with town women at the moment? Um, I, I've articulated we want to be as supportive as we can. And, I mean, at some point I think we might get more involved, but I think that for now, you know, we've got to make sure that we, that we, we do things right here. I want to get a solid footing. I want to make sure that we're completely comfortable I'm very supportive of women's sports. I mean, I have two daughters, and they were involved in, in um, the sport. You know, we call it soccer in America. Uh, they were, in fact, I coached. You know, my one daughter for a number of years. You know, uh, you know, at the club level, um, and so we're we're going to be really supportive 
of women's uh, football as best we can, you know, as best we can, given at this where we are in the process. Fantastic. That's all for me. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, do you have any musical recommendations before we go, actually? <laughs> any music recommendations? Well, you know, I'll tell you who I like. It was really funny. I mean, uh, this probably sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm being uh, rhetorical, but I, I'm a, people don't know this, or maybe they do. I'm a, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Oh, really? I was from a little kid, and if you, if you came to Sacramento, I have, I have a, a condominium there that's 100% decorated in Beatles theme. <laughs> and, um, in fact, Paul McCartney opened up our um, arena there and we've connected to Paul his, his family that when he comes back he's going to because it sits right next to our arena he's going to be able to take a tour and I'm going to bring him down memory lane because I've got every Beatle album signed by all four Beatles and I've got um, a guitar that he played that's signed by all four Beatles um, I've got I've got just uh, my whole my whole place is a mural and in there actually is them the four of them playing football so I'm, I'm excited by it and I hope that time comes sooner than later if you're anything like me your favourite album will change constantly as well it's the one that's sort of capturing your ear at the moment oh music yeah the, 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 which Beatles album which Beatles album oh my favourite one yeah oh I he, he, people always ask that question that's an unfair question yeah it I mean, is it's just I agree. Because, you, because you know to your point <laughs> I mean they changed you know yeah, from exactly. from being you know this simple you know band you know, um, I think I think that you know I want to hold your hand. I think that was the you know that that was I will tell you that was the gateway song to America. Yeah. You know um, that I remember. And there's a, a famous show in America called Ed Sullivan, and yeah. we got a chance to watch you know black and white when when Ed Sullivan you know referred to them as the boys. <laughs> uh, that was really that was really exciting and fun. And so I also saw at the very end, you know, when they left, it was sort of like a, uh, a group that was dying. But it's amazing. It's really funny. You can you can have young people in your car driving, and they'll and a Beatles song will come on. They say, "I love this song." I just it's it's really to me amazing, and it's timeless music. And I mean that's the thing that I that I love about it. But my music likes are really, you know, really rock and rollers. I mean I I, I love the Rolling Stones. It used to be you know you liked one or the other, but I love both of them. I mean, I, I suppose you start, um, I start thinking about it. it's really the British invasion that really, mm -hmm. my era, that really affected me. So why I, I like so many British bands. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm here as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Kevin, for your time. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You bet.